NPR. So there's this thing that doctors do when they want to see how healthy a person's heart is. You've probably seen this in like a sports drink commercial or something like that. Allow me to demonstrate. So they start by putting you on a treadmill and hooking you up to a bunch of electrodes and heart monitors and start you off at a nice walking pace. The doctor checks your vital signs and then speeds things up a little bit. A few minutes later, does the same thing, checks your heart rate and speeds things up a little more. And this keeps going. Checks your heart rate, speeds it up, checks your heart rate, speeds things up until it feels like your heart is working about as hard as it can. And this is what doctors call an exercise stress test. And and the point of doing this is not purely sadistic. It's to put your heart in an unusual amount of stress, to see what it can take and how it responds. And the idea is by doing that, you can catch health problems before they become health emergencies. This is the indicator from Planet Money. I'm Adrian Ma. And the rest of today's episode is not about exercise, thankfully. It's about the Federal Reserve's own version of a stress test. Something it makes big banks do every year to see how they would fare under an extraordinary amount of stress. This is something the Fed has been doing for over a decade. But this week, the Fed's head of bank regulation suggested it might be time for a major update. So today on the show, we'll explain how bank stress tests normally work, why they did not prevent a recent string of bank failures, and what the Fed is thinking as it looks to prevent something similar from happening in the future. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. The world needs entrepreneurial leaders, and you can become one at Babson College. Gain the skills to lead, motivate, and inspire through a specialized master's or MBA program with full-time, part-time, and online options. Turn ideas into action with a graduate program that caters to your professional needs and fits your lifestyle. Ranked number one in entrepreneurship by U.S. News and World Report. Apply now at babson.edu slash gradprograms. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Certified Financial Planners. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, Certified Financial Planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. It is really hard to understand stress tests without doing a little bit of time travel. So let's go back to 2008. It's the financial crisis, and the banks found themselves in what economists call deep financial doo-doo. They gambled big time by loading their balance sheets with billions of dollars in subprime mortgages. When the housing bubble burst, those subprime mortgages became toxic assets. And the banks said to the federal government, Listen, if you don't bail us out, you're going to have a crisis on your hands. People's life savings are going to evaporate. Credit will freeze. People will lose their jobs and their homes. And the Federal Reserve, one of the country's main bank regulators, was like, I think they're right. So Congress passed a $700 billion package to keep troubled banks afloat and prevent foreclosures. And this whole 
twisted saga was on the mind of congressional lawmakers a couple of years later when they passed something called the Dodd-Frank Act. The idea of the Dodd-Frank Act was to prevent this situation from happening again, where a financially troubled bank could drag the rest of the economy down with it. And nestled among the many new rules in this 849-page law was a new requirement that large and mid-sized banks would undergo regular stress testing. So what exactly is stress testing? To break it down, we called up Danielle Zanzaleri. I am an assistant professor of economics at Seton Hall University and an adjunct professor at Boston College University where I teach a stress testing course. She used to work on stress testing at the Federal Reserve's Boston branch, And she says there are two basic components to stress tests that the Fed and the banks go through every year. Part one you can think of as the treadmill test. Fed economists devise a series of hypothetical scenarios involving various economic calamities, like unemployment soaring to 10% and the stock market tanking and real estate prices getting cut in half and a whole lot more. So you have kind of all these wonky things going on extreme stress. It's like putting you on a treadmill, go run (laughs) a six minute pace, which is really fast if you're not a runner, really, really fast. So it's like, hey, do this and see how you do. By the way, like juggle these meat cleavers while you're at it. Exactly. And good luck. Okay. So it's maybe not that stressful, but basically the Fed gets data from the banks, crunches the numbers to see under these various economic scenarios, how much money would the bank lose? Would they stop lending? Would they even survive. So that is part one, the sort of put you on a treadmill, see what you can handle part of the stress test. Part two is more like the take-home test. That's where the Fed and the banks both do an analysis of the bank's capital situations. So capital being money, kind of like money that they could easily access in a crisis, sort of like you have a savings account for a rainy day. Of course, banks may want to do other stuff with this money, this capital, than just sit on it for a rainy day. They might prefer to invest it in the markets or loan it out to customers or pay it out as shareholder dividends. Stuff that makes banks money and makes shareholders happy. But the point of stress tests is to make sure banks have enough capital just sitting there in case of emergencies. And this is basically how stress tests have worked for the past decade. Every year, about 20 to 30 of the country's largest banks went under the microscope. And early on, it was not uncommon for banks to fail. It's like saying, you go on a treadmill, doctor's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're playing volleyball and soccer and all these things. Your heart can't take that. You need to slow down and stop eating Chick-fil-A every day, right? (laughs) Stuff like that. Stuff like you would be happy doing all these things, but but their doctor says you got to cut back. It's the same way that the Fed reacts during these stress tests that, If a bank looks like they cannot handle the stress, so uh, if they look like their revenues are falling, their expenses are too high, even under these juggling scenarios, they have to hold more capital back. In other words, they have to expand their emergency cash cushion. When banks fail stress tests, the Fed can prescribe changes to the way they manage money. They can, for instance, say, stop cutting so many checks to shareholders and just save that money. And over the years, banks seem to be doing a better job at saving that money, at expanding their safety cushions. A couple of weeks ago, results for this year's stress test came out, and all 23 banks that were subject to the test passed. But I know at this point, some of you are saying, yeah, okay, but what about the elephant in the room? What about the three elephants in the room? Those banks that went under a few months ago? Silicon Valley Bank, Signature, and First Republic? 
Stress tests did not keep those banks from crashing. Well, it's a good question, and the answer is a bit complicated, but essentially, Signature and First Republic were regulated by a different agency, not the Fed. And Silicon Valley Bank, it had very recently grown to a size where it would have been subject to a stress test next year, but, of course, it imploded before then. Now, even if SVB had been stress tested, Danielle says it's not clear that would have prevented a meltdown because... Stress tests have a couple of fundamental weaknesses. For one thing, economic predictions about the future are very hard to do. And by the time those predictions actually get put into the hypothetical stress test scenarios, reality may look very different. Danielle says economists spent months developing the scenarios for this year's stress tests. But... That was before the Silicon Valley bank crisis and everything that happened there. And so there's so much that has to go into it for months and months before, and you're having economists trying to predict what's going to happen. The scenario wasn't stressing the same thing that we actually saw being stressed in the banking sector in March and April. Namely, that rising interest rates would contribute to a series of unexpected bank runs that brought those banks down. Now, a couple days ago, the head of bank regulation at the Fed, Michael Barr, acknowledged that the Fed could be doing more to prevent the kinds of failures that we saw happen this year. And actually, earlier this week, he promised to improve the speed and enforcement of the Fed's supervision. He proposed new rules that would require big banks and even mid-sized banks, like the kind that went under, to shore up their finances even more. And he said going forward, regulators will be more skeptical in how they evaluate how crisis-ready these banks are. In short, the Fed's stress test regime might be about to get a little more stressful. This episode is produced by Brittany Cronin with engineering by Catherine Silva. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Beatley is our senior producer. Kate and Cannon is our editor. And the Indicators is a production of NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Greenlight. Want to teach your kids financial literacy? With Greenlight, kids and teens use a debit card of their own, while parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and savings in the app. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash NPR. Jasmine Morris here from the StoryCorps podcast. Our latest season is called My Way. Stories of people who found a rhythm all their own and marched to it throughout their lives. Consequences and other people's opinions be damned. You won't believe the courage and audacity in these stories. Hear them on the StoryCorps podcast from NPR. On It's Been a Minute, we're keeping you in the know when it comes to culture. I break down the latest trends and the forces behind them and introduce you to the creatives who think deeply about how we live today. Come for some good old cultural analysis and have a few laughs with me. Listen to the It's Been a Minute podcast from NPR.